0: Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with J.J. Cooper. I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for the download. It's the Thanksgiving week here Baseball America, and it's just a conflagration of all kinds of stuff going on, J.J. Top tens are in full swing at BaseballAmerica.com, and of course, in the print edition of the magazine. Uh, Arizona Fall League and Hawaii Winter Baseball top 20s going online this week, I believe. Uh, uh, next week, next, or so next week, week I think
1: I'm back because we're going to put the Rule Five uh, preview up. Uh, you know, our first Rule Five preview. We'll have another one, but our right. first Rule Five preview will get you through the uh, Thanksgiving holiday and then
0: basically we're... our Rule Five preview, which is uh, here's the scouting reports that we have and the guys that we think fit best. And then our second Rule Five preview will be after we talked to a lot of scouts and organizations Which, and see, and that will be much more
1: who will be the guys drafted.
0: But you know what? Last year, uh, our first early look at the Rule Five, we put five guys in the magazine that we pulled out, and then like fifteen more guys in a list. And four of the five guys we pulled out in the magazine got popped: Randor Beard, Garrett Guzman, um, Brian Barton. I'm forgetting the fourth the fourth guy, but we were on it even in the early preview. Uh, and Which of course, is... two years ago, I think was Chris Klein's favorite. Rule 5 draft of all time when he had the uh, executioner, Joachim Soria. so I've, And I've actually got my pick to click, and I'll go ahead and reveal it in the podcast for the Rule 5. I'm, I'm, I won't divulge all the details, but Pedro Figueroa. Look that joker up. Left-hander in the athletic system. Pedro Figueroa this, is my pick to the click. A's,
1: the A's had a very difficult, I mean, it's tough. You've got enough prospects that it just becomes, you know,
0: you can't protect them all. I think that's what uh, one of the things that happened. So I think he's a late bloomer, heart-throwing lefty. That's all I'll say. I'll give you one more pick-to-click because <laughs> I love uh, – I do uh, enjoy the Rule 5 a little bit more than I should probably. Oh, we wrote the, hey, the we Rule do, 5, yeah. we, we got –
1: you know, when we get our hands on here are the list of the – Eligibles. Potential eligibles. Forty-eight page PDF. That that's fun for all of us because you're fun. sitting there sorting through, and it's like, hey, you know, and it's really it's a graveyard of wow, that guy used to be something, you know, a lot of it. But
0: Jim, Jim Callis wants to go through when he has time and pick out the highest drafted players on the list. The one that sticks out to me is Tim Stoffer, who was the number three overall pick uh, back in uh, 2003. You've also got uh, another high pick on there, Ryan Harvey, of the of the Cubs, who the was Cubs. the fifth overall pick.
1: You also had uh, – yeah, the others, there's multiple, multiple first-rounders on there. Yeah, Bobby
0: Brownlee's on there. Uh, I think Chris Lubanski, on Lubansky's there. Chris the fifth overall pick. Absolutely, <laughs> Yeah, Harvey was sixth, and Lubansky was fifth. And that brings us to what we're really podcasting about today, which is the American League Central uh, top ten prospects. Chris Lubansky, not pictured uh, in the Kansas City Royals. J.J. did the Royals. I did the Twins top tens. Uh, let's first talk about the whole Central, J.J., and just as we bit the press – uh, we, we, we went to press with the print edition of the magazine. And since the White Sox top 10 came out online, there has already been a change with the Cuban uh, corner bat, we'll, we'll call him Dayan Visiedo signing already with the White Sox. And I've emailed with a couple of scouts who've seen Visciato at his workouts last week. They both used the exact same phrase, he's the real deal offensively. Sounds like there's going to be a real question about where he plays position-wise. Uh, the scouts will be talked to. When he first defected back in May, compared him to Angel Villalona or Kenny Morales. Both of those guys are 1B, DH types. So, Viciato might be that, and that might not be a bad thing with Jim Tomy's contract expiring in 09 and Paul Canerco, Pauly, coming to the end of the line for the good guys. Which,
1: and the other thing with that is that is that I've noticed with Cuban defectors, position players, a lot of times, whatever positions they've played in Cuba... yeah. Shift them, you know, I mean, to use the Bill James term, shift down him the to the, down the spectrum. I mean, yeah. if you look at it, you know, Kendry Morales came out, you know, and it was like, you know, there was all the talk about his arm and all because, right. you know, he had been a pitcher and all. Absolutely. He's a first baseman, yeah. you know. Um, he can hit. He can hit. Uh, he hasn't really gotten a you know, great
0: full shake out in, uh, with the Angels. But
1: um, Alexi Ramirez, you know, basically shifted just one over.
0: Well, he's he, a real question because he played some shortstop and outfield in Cuba. And now he played second base in his first year in the U.S. And now, now they, talk that he'll be the shortstop next There is next talk year. that he'll be
1: the shortstop. You know, which if he does, he would be. You know, there have been less uh, Cuban effectors who've stuck. I mean, Ray Ordonez is obviously the guy who jumps out. Well, but. I
0: think the amazing thing is that the Cuban track record. The the the, the, the you know everyone talks about the pitching uh, in Cuban history, but it's really the hitters who've done more. I mean, UNESCO you know, Betancourt is a great defender. He's basically Ray Ordonez too. Uh, Alexi Ramirez is the kind of year that he had. Uh, Morales at least has been around the big leagues for a while. Uh, Some of the pitchers have flamed out, the Ariel Prietos and the Rolando Arojos. might have a year here or there. Outside of LeVon Hernandez and El Duque, what Cuban pitchers have really lived up to the hype? I mean, even Jose Contreras has had basically one good stretch. But really, living up to the hype, very rare is the Cuban pitcher who lives up to the hype or the money or the signing bonus they got. And,
1: well, that's the thing, though, is that I think one thing with that, and it is true, a lot of them don't live up to the hype. That being said, they're – they're basically the closest thing we have to, in in many ways. If a draft pick was just you know was just put on free, you know, right. Scott Boris's dream and draft picks were all of a sudden available yeah. to the highest bidder. So it's hard to compare those bonuses to what the bonuses that guys get in the draft. I mean, if you look at it that Indeed. way, it's like, hey, you know, these guys are you know generally flaming out. But the reality of it is, is that a two million dollar Cuban defector or a one million dollar Cuban defector is essentially you could argue in a lot of ways that's like taking a guy in the Third, fourth round, because you know have so. that money and, you know, and, and put them in the draft. Yep, I mean, that's so.
0: And Vicieto getting a, uh, reported eleven million dollars as a major league contract. You know what? Uh, that's not bad. That's and that's a it might be a bargain. I mean, it might be a oh, bargain. I mean, if this guy's a big in, league and middle and, of hey, order if, bat.
1: If you're the White Sox, you know, you look at it, and it's like, well, Lexi Ramirez worked out pretty well for us last year.
0: And all the all the reports are that that his bat is definitely uh, middle of the order potential. And he'll probably rank third in the White Sox list when the book comes out. Prospect Handbook goes to press December nineteenth. You've got Gordon Beckham and Aaron Pareda. I think will rank ahead of him. And you could definitely oh, you argue him. You could argue him,
1: Pareda. I I would probably, in fact, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a Pareta believer. But my, my, there are my reasons semi uninformed opinion, as far as this, like I have not gotten nearly as many reports on. You know, I I know about Deion, but I'm not, you know, as up to speed on him. But that being said, I mean, Pareda. I mean, there's a good likelihood that you're talking about you know power arm out of the pen. I know
0: you're. He could just be a relief pitcher, that's for sure. I mean, the fastball straightens out at times. He's got to command his fastball better. I mean, he's most pitchers have to say that. But he, you know, he doesn't have great secondary stuff. He really doesn't have a chance to have above average secondary stuff. At best, they'll be average. Uh, Probably, probably at best, they'll be fringe average. So for him, fastball command is even more important. But he does have, in my mind, a, a big time fastball. Exactly, a chance to be a guy that throws 80 percent fastballs and pitches off the fastball from the left side with plus velocity and command. So, uh, and some movement. So, I, I like Parada. But that White Sox list, uh, no fault of Phil Rogers, unimposing. Kenny no, Williams but we does not knew, seem to really care where they get ranked in the farm system. And I mean, we, really, he should And we knew that going in. We, yep. I mean,
1: it actually, it's. I would probably say this list maybe a. You know, I, I, comparing it to last year's White Sox list, probably even a touch better. I mean, I they have two is. guys on this list who are pretty interesting and, you know, maybe three, whereas last year they had one. I mean, you know,
0: one thing we have, that number gets factored in here. The White Sox have been consistent winners, J.J., and Gordon Beckham's their first top ten pick in 18 years since Frank Thomas in 1990.
1: Well, the thing about it is with the White Sox, and we, you know, there's a story we'll have posting up on BaseballAmerica.com, you know, later this week that we had in the issue. We talked about the White Sox do it differently. They're not going to rank high in our organization rankings, same way that the Cardinals used to do it. I just about
0: to say they're like late 90s Cardinals. Where basically the viewpoint
1: is is that the farm system is used to acquire pieces that Mm -hmm. help at the big league level. And now that doesn't always work, but the White Sox, it's worked partly because they've had a knack of taking failed prospects from other teams and turning them into – Quality, big league players. I mean, know? you can
0: argue that three of their best players are guys who are kind of almost cast off from other systems. And, and John Danks, uh, Gavin Floyd, and Carlos Quentin. And those were three huge reasons why they won the division this year. They, they edged out the Twins in that division. Uh, let's segue to the Twins in Minnesota. Well, on, we, quick, let's, let's do one thing I want to do with the White okay. Sox, we're doing do. we did last time, is controversial. Who do you think,
1: oh, yeah. who in these rankings do you look at and say, that's the controversial pick? On this well, record.
0: you know, Cole Armstrong is probably not going to be on a lot of people's lists, but he finished strong. He is a backup catcher profile, left-handed and back, that's... backup catcher profile as far as like good arm but not a great receiver and power. Is he going to be an everyday catcher? Probably... I think there's about a 30% chance he's an everyday catcher, that... maybe a 25% chance. But if he if he is an everyday catcher, he's a guy who's going to hit you 250, 260, but maybe, maybe hit 20 home runs from the left side, and that's a valuable guy. Right.
1: Uh, realistically, more likely he'll be one of those guys who hits you ten to twelve home runs in limited at bats in the right. big leagues, which is still a you know valuable. It is though the white Sox, the White Sox top ten. The reason he's number nine is not all top tens are created equal. Absolutely. And so you, I mean, you look at number ten. It's like Eduardo Escobar is a you know I mean he's a
0: twenty to thirty guy in most organizations. Yes. That's what and so is.
1: The, the reality is, this, I mean. There's not often that you see, in Cole Armstrong's case, the very rare thing in the background. You don't often see plucked in the minor league rule yeah, five draft you don't. in a top ten prospect. That doesn't happen very often, but there's a reason he's number nine. The farm system is just not you know that strong. I mean,
0: Jordan Danks. I mean, Jordan Danks has serious questions about his bat. How much is this guy going to hit? And he's number five on their system. but the Now reality, he's number six with Viciato.
1: But the reality of it is that if you're looking at the White Sox system in here, if you said who have a – who on here has a pretty good likelihood of being a solid big leaguer? He's on you it. probably, well, you probably get to number four, and then number five's got some question marks.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. Oh no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because even Brandon Allen's probably best as a DH, right? Big but he, but you
1: look at it, he's got a, he's got a bat where he's like, yeah, he'll probably play. He you should game. hit enough to get to the big leagues. I
0: agree with you. Uh, yeah, let's just go on to the next one, alphabetical order, Cleveland, instead of going to uh, skipping ahead to Minnesota, because Cleveland, I think, is to me by far the best top ten. It, in I thought division, you know JJ. it's the top, and I think. And that's interesting because they really have not drafted,
1: you know, extremely well over the last— They're fairly
0: conservative in how they draft, especially in the top of the draft. Uh, But internationally, they've been aggressive. Trades have been aggressive with trades. And I actually thought Lonnie Chisenhall, who at the time I kind of thought was not a great pick, I think I really just undersold this guy He's an athletic left-handed bat. Could be a second baseman, could be a third baseman, could be a right fielder. He's uh... number six on their list. And he's pretty good. You know, Nick Wegelar's wasn't a first-round pick— but He was a high draft pick, as a third round pick, and he's already uh, jumped ahead of Bo Mills. They've they've got some guys, uh, who who and could I, I like and, their bats. That's and what the really interesting stands part is, is
1: Matt Laporta, who I think if you had told if you'd ask thirty you know dedicated yeah. Baseball America readers before we put out this top ten, said who's the number one prospect in the Indian system, I'd say probably thirty of them would say oh Matt, Matt Laporta. Laporta. You know, Carlos Santana ended up being number one. Laporta was number two. And that's not, a, you know, I think a lot of people heard that and it's like, well, what what do they not like about Laporta? It's not necessarily not liking anything about Laporta. It's Absolutely. just Santana's
0: just that good.
1: He's just that he's, he's. You're talking about basically a guy whose back could be at least similar to Laporta's, you know. And by the way, oh, yeah, he's a catcher.
0: I mean, he almost he kind of sounds like almost like a Brian McCann type to me, who switch hits. Um, that's kind of how Santana says because he got he's got a feel for hitting too uh, and power, and the fact that the Dodgers parted with him for. You know, a couple months of Casey Blake is stunning. It's a but, nice I mean, deal for the – Cleveland paid Casey Blake's contract, and they got paid in and, the talent. And, by the Santana. way, you see on this – you know, in this top ten,
1: three of the top ten guys are guys they picked up through trades last year. I mean, right. like hey, – Yeah, Mickey
0: – Michael Brantley,
1: yeah. Brantley, Laporta, and Santana are all guys that they brought in, and that's, you know, that's a nice way to kind of – I mean, <laughs> more teams, you know, probably should do – I mean – Doing those trades in the season, like okay, it's not going as we want. Right. It, it can you know really pay off you know in the long run instead of hanging on.
0: It's is know? amazing. They might they might have gotten more for Sam, for for Blake than they got for Sabathia. That's amazing. <laughs> they might have and gotten they got more a pretty good trade. and they got a pretty good haul for and they know, did for Sabathia. You know, like really no one did. could
1: argue like oh they didn't get anything for Sabathia. They got, got two
0: top ten guys right here in Laporta and Laporta and Michael Brantley. You know the, Who, the, who's your controversial prospect? Well, in top I mean, 10? we talked
1: about Santana Laporta, but the one that I think also probably that jumps out in some ways is Adam Miller. Exactly. Still there. You know, I mean, Adam Miller has been a fixture in the uh, – he he's been the number
0: one prospect. It's his sixth year in the top ten. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, he was number one four years in a row. through some leaner years in the farm system and through some thicker years as well. And then this year he's still number four. He just keeps getting hurt. And he can't stay healthy. And yet he's still throwing cheddar in uh, Dominican winter ball. And so now it sounds like the Indians are finally going to put they in the finally ballpark.
1: realized. Okay, you know what? We can't get we're, we got to stop believing. We'll get 200 innings out of this guy. Can we get a quality 70?
0: Really, they. they I understand they. They. They just were listening too hard. They did, did not want to stop believing. Don't yeah. stop believing. with and their so, motto with Adam Miller, that was tortured. You know, and I don't even like Journey, but
1: you know, <laughs> but but the reality of it is, is that he still is. Yeah, I mean. You put him in the pen now. This is, again, this is why we have the bias in some ways against relievers in top tens right. is because you put Adam Miller in the pen and all of a sudden it's, you know, he had a, you know, if he could stay healthy, he had potential elite starter stuff. But you put him in the pen and stuff plays up even a little bit more. And Right, right. And he could be their closer, you know.
0: I mean, there's a chance. You know, the best-case scenario for a guy like that is Brad Lidge. Brad Lidge was a starter with the Astros in the minor leagues. They just couldn't keep him healthy, couldn't keep him healthy. Boom, became a closer and now he's the Brad Lidge that we know and love today. Um, Detroit Tigers top ten. JJ almost a nothing to see here. Kind of feeling for me with well, the Tigers not, not of not nothing, but
1: but yeah, I was gonna say you got Rick Porcello to start it. And even though Rick Porcello is a fascinating guy from the standpoint of you look at the the he had an outstanding season in the Florida State League. Right. That being said, there's one thing that just jumps out. You know, that's glaring is 72 strikeouts in 125 innings.
0: It really does, it and it's out.
1: hard to explain. In a lot of ways, you know, what happened, you know, why, because he's got, you know, elite stuff.
0: The scout that I talked to about him had a great way to encapsulate that. He got Josh Beckett's contract, and he's got John Garland's stuff. And he said, hey, look, if he has a John Garland career, middle of the rotation, ground ball machine, uh, durable m- starter, that's their money's worth. That's a big-time value for what the Tigers pay in the draft. But it's not Josh Beckett. It's and not a front line ace, but that's really what he thinks Rick Porcello and is, and that, that might be it. That and I'll say this: I'm
1: not. This is not a knock against Porcello. Well, you know, maybe it is, but I don't know of. You know, you hear guys. You know, you'll hear a lot of times when you talk to scouts, you talk to managers, they'll it's not making excuses, they'll say, "Oh, once he fig-, you know, once right. he figures out what he's doing, he'll start striking out a lot more guys." But the thing that always jumps out to me is the strikeout pitchers. They don't figure it out in double A. Uh, strikeout out pitchers, strikeout one. guys in the Gulf Coast League, they strikeout right. guys and that's not that Porcell is not gonna be a very good big league pitcher. I don't believe that he's not going to strike out guys in high A, and then when he gets to Double A and Triple A, all of a sudden he's going to strike out a ton of guys. That's not how it usually doesn't work that way. Not As you move up the ladder, yeah. you strike out less guys because you know what—you're facing a whole lot of less hitters who are going to go, you know, chasing at a you know a pitch in the dirt.
0: And that's the thing. I think you, I think you have to just temper expectation with this guy. I think he's got a chance to be very good. But does he going to be Josh Beckett just because he got that kind of contract? Probably not. I really like the way that scout summed it up of
1: and, John Garland, not Josh and Beckett. Ryan Perry, the number two prospect. I, I got. I'm some, not a fan. I, I got some, you know, some stuff on him when I was doing the Florida State League list, and guys said, "Great fastball." I mean, it's you oh, know yeah. triple digits almost. You know, you'll see triple digits maybe. But that being said, you see it being released from far off, and it's straight. Yep. And absolutely. There's the question. He's gonna to have to he's gonna to have to have that, you know, that second pitch because it's not a fastball that just he throw you throw it by guys.
0: I just was not a fan of their draft, very uh college reliever heavy. Um, I'm not a Cody Satterwhite White guy, I never have been. I almost like Jacobson, who they got better, he's not in their top ten. Wilkin Ramirez, the bat's starting to play, but there's there's really no defensive position for this guy. Yeah, Casey Crosby made three appearances this year. Kale Orge is raw, it's a very raw top ten. Um, it just—it's uh, an organization that mortgaged the future to be good in 2008, and, and at the same time was terrible in 2008. So they've got some uh, explaining to do.
1: Right. The good news for them is—is is that there still are. Our- a lot of the pieces that they have in Detroit are, are still, still there. I yeah, mean, they like, still
0: have guys in their primes or about to reach their prime, right. and, and Granderson and Miguel Cabrera they can build around. Placido Polanco is still you know, If Bonderman kind of comes back to be, you know. Verlander. Yeah, yeah I exactly. mean, they,
1: they've got, you know, it's something where they don't need five guys from the minors.
0: They need complementary guys. Right. They've got the stars in place.
1: At that being said, you know, if you had Jar instead of Edgar Renneria, you know Ooh. the now departed Edgar Ineria. Probably with, would help sign things. with the Giants apparently today, yeah. which That would help things, you know. That would that would that would make the big league club a little better. You know, there's, you know, there Cameron Mabin would, you know. He would fit in probably nicely. He would look nicely. nicely, you know. I think look,
0: so. But Kansas City Royals JJ, uh your first time doing the Royals top 10. This is a it's a solid top 10. It's not like the problem with the Royals system is what comes after 10.
1: Well, It's a, yeah, I think the top 10 is is very solid. I mean, I don't think there's really, you know, when we talked about like the White Sox and it drops off pretty significantly. I mean, the number nine prospect on the Royals top 10 is Keelah Kahui, who is a first baseman who, if you said right now to me, you know, okay, pop in the time machine, you know, go to the end of the year and like, you know, say, okay, Keelah Kahui hit 25 homers with a 380 on 375 on base in the big leagues. I go, no, that doesn't, Floor that, would, me, that would blow me away it, <laughs> if he did that. that. I don't think it's likely he'd do that, right. but I, I, it wouldn't, you know, it's within his, it's, it's within That's the potential. That's the best case scenario. That's the case do that. scenario, but yeah, he could do that. that. You know, and he's number nine on this list. Now, that being said, you know, I put him nine because I had this question in the chat today. He also slugged over 500 for the first time in his minor league career this year in his seventh minor league season. Course, so He's
0: slugged over 600, which is right. Like, if you're going to go over 500 for the first time, do it do it, do it, do it well. spades. You know, you know
1: but. That being said, you know, that's the number nine. Carlos Rosa, number eight, is a guy who could, you know, I very well could be in the Royals' bullpen this year and basically could kind of, you know, replace Leo Nunez, who they traded off to, uh, to the Marlins. You know, so it's a very solid top ten. The problems that the Royals have right now is Kahui is the only bat that played in double-A AA or triple-A last year that you would say, hey, this guy's going to be a major league contributor probably. Right. I mean, you probably can't name anyone else who really will be a contributor even.
0: He's the only bat ab- above low-A in the top ten. The only pitchers you had above low-A in the top ten, Cortez, Rosa, and Wood. And Blake Wood really you know, didn't have much success above A ball. He was in high-A. Right. Yeah, Yeah, success kind of in high-A,
1: but, yeah, you really can't credit him as pitching in double-A and succeeding.
0: It's hard to see any of those guys. Yeah, Cortez, Rosa. Cortez and Rosa
1: or, could contribute this year if they're in the bullpen, but it's hard to can see right. them giving the Royals fifteen to twenty solid starts. Yeah, exactly. So and, I mean
0: they're like you said, in, in the best case scenario, the Royals are a top ten organization coming into two thousand ten. Right. You know, Mustakas has a big now, year, Hosmer has a big year, and, and the, a couple of these young And the pitchers guys that, that are on you know now in, beyond the top ten,
1: there are a lot of guys that you that are interesting, but they're interesting from the standpoint, you know, just to drop a couple of names. There's two Latin pitchers they have, Carlos Fortuna and Kelvin Herrera, who, you know, we could be talking the next this time next year and go, wow, those guys are really something, right? You know, but they haven't pitched in full season ball yet.
0: That was a really good Peter Gammons, butt, by the way, unintentional though it may have been, unintentional, you know, but. that was an homage in some <laughs> That's ways. Right. That's um,
1: right. Um, but, but you know, I'll do it one more time. Um. <laughs> They also have a lot of guys from this 2008 draft. Who a year from now, they spent a lot of money in this draft. Yep. They spent over 10 million dollars. It didn't just go to the guys. You know, they got three guys from that draft in the top 10. But beyond that, you have guys like Tyler Sample, John Lamb, multiple. Other, you know, Johnny Giovatella. They've got multiple other guys who, a year from now, having had a chance to do something, right. could really move up. That John, being said, John Lamb could be really, really interesting.
0: He sounds like he's an athletic fifth-round, sixth-round guy. I've heard a Tom
1: Glavin comp on him, although the thing about that is that's almost a kiss of death because it I is. think he, both of us have heard at least 100 Tom Glavin comps. And you know what? None of those guys has ended up being Tom Glavin And yet. the
0: problem with that is that uh, it means you have a below-average fastball when somebody right. throws that out there, which Glavin didn't at his peak. And you got to hope that John Lamb doesn't. He's like 86, and, 89. And but he, there's projection. He's, touched, he's touched 91 before, yeah, so projection, you know,
1: there's yeah. projection to him. But that being said, every time you hear this Tom Glavin comp, the reality of it is, is that... Yeah, that you have to have the average. I mean, the coming up he was the average fastball with
0: the right. eighty change. Exactly. You know, not coming up, but a year or two premium, in premium and premium command. Right. I mean, was an eighty command, really. You know,
1: I mean, that's the thing is, is that when you're talking about guys, I mean, there aren't eighties floating out there. Like in most, you know, I mean, we're doing all these top thirties, and it's very rare that you find an eighty slapped on any pitch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what and Glavin basically had had a couple of if not eighties, they were seventies and his change up in his command and the athleticism is also a separator. A guy got drafted that high to play hockey, uh, could make in game adjustments like he did. So the, the, if
1: you're the controversial guy on I don't know if there's really a controversial guy on the Royals list, maybe you could come up with I one. the
0: biggest controversy was one versus two, because uh, you really could have gone Hosmer or Mustakas. And that's almost flip – I mean, basically that is, it came that is basically down to a coin.
1: one guy's done it in the minors already, one guy hasn't, and one guy plays third base, one guy plays first. You know, if
0: Hosmer had, like, had a big month in the Pioneer League and like had served notice that he was going to be super extra, super duper extra special, or like if they'd sent him to Hawaii Winter Baseball instead of, say, Kyle Martin, and he'd gone off in Hawaii like some of these other guys, like Yonder Alonso or uh, Roger Kieschnick did, some other 2008 high draft picks – I think mean, you could have had justification for doing it. And his ceiling might be higher than Mustakas's. But as I told Jim Cowles, like Mike Mustakas, your high school in California, single season and career home run leader, your Midwest League home run leader, the first teenager to do it since Prince Fielder, and he can play a position other than first base. I think you have to give the edge to the guy who has that kind of power. He might be a 260 hitter, but he might even hit 260 with 30 home runs playing third base or right That's, field. You'll take that. That's a pretty special player. I mean, and, and Eric Cosmer I just want to see more than three games with a wood bat against professional pitchers. Right, and that's not, I mean, hey, at this time next year, it may even be a better debate, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. But to me, that was the most controversial part, really, of your talk. The, the one
1: guy I'll say in there is Danny Gutierrez is number seven. There is a chance that next year, we're up for, despite Melville, Montgomery, all these guys. He could be
0: the number one pitcher in that system. Yeah. If he stay, he's stay, he got a show, he can stay healthy, but that's a guy with with big-time stuff. From one Gutierrez show to, to Carlos Gutierrez from the University of Miami on the – on the. Uh, I just wanted to do my Jim Morrison impersonation on the twins system. I think this is my third year of doing the twins. I'm starting to almost get twins fatigue. Uh, but I've had three very different number ones. I think it's interesting to talk about <laughs> that. the number ones I've ranked with the twins. First, Matt Garza, uh, who had 50 innings exactly. And thank goodness he did. Cause I don't know who I would have had number one, other than him, it might've been Glenn Perkins who I had a two that year, or it might've been Kevin Slowey Who was three. And I think in retrospect, boy, I'm glad I had Garza. Cause I probably would have had Perkins over Slowey, And that would've looked bad. <laughs> um, then last year, Nick Blackburn, that was the controversial pick. Who defines the, that
1: was the controversial pick of the uh, the Baseball America Top 10s for 2000. But you
0: can't get further away, I don't think, than from Nick Blackburn than Aaron Hicks, who has better stuff than Nick Blackburn does right now. Well, as a amount, pitcher, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's up the 97 with a, you know. And he's Phillip an break outfielder, ball. by
1: the way, in case you don't, you know. But
0: he's uh, on the best tools. I think you have to rank a guy, number one, in an organization when he's best strikes zone discipline, best athlete, best defensive outfielder, Best outfield arm could have been best fastball, and would have been in consideration for best breaking ball. I, that guy has to be number one, and that's despite the year that Ben Revere had. And, and Ben Revere's upside is significant. I, you know, I think I wrote last year that if it all comes together offensively, Ben Revere could be kind of an Ichiro kind of offensive player. He he has about a 20 arm or 30 arm compared to Ichiro's 80 arm, so he's not Ichiro. But offensively, he's that kind of igniter at the top of a lineup. He's a guy going to get a lot of hits. He's going to steal a lot of bases. And, that, probably that, that the year he had zone. the
1: Midwest League is as close as in each row year as you could have offensively yeah. in the Midwest League. I mean, yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, hitting... And he stings the ball. He's not a punch-and-judy guy. Uh, Ten triples, 17 doubles. So um, we really like Ben Revere, but I think Aaron Hicks' upside is significantly higher because he's a switch hitter. He's got real home run power potential, and he's got baseball savvy. Uh, I, I don't think Aaron Hicks... Uh, potentially the best athlete in that draft. Definitely the best athlete who's also a real baseball player because Anthony Hewitt, probably a better athlete. But Hewitt's much more raw than Aaron Hicks. And then Wilson Ramos uh, was three last year and really had a really nice year in the Florida State League. And to me, that's about as good a trade chip as any club has. You got Joe Maurer locked up long-term as a 25-year-old all-star gold glove catcher. And one of your top prospects is a guy who's getting ready to go to Double A. is age-appropriate at 21, uh, threw out more base runners, a better percentage of base runners than anybody in the Florida State League, and has real power as a catcher in Wilson Ramos. No, that's uh, I like Wilson Ramos quite a bit, and we had him third last year, uh, and I think we were definitely ahead of the curve on that. So, And then you got number four, Jose Mejara. One, one of my personal cheese balls All-time J.J. Cooper cheese ball, absolutely. You're the first one who brought in my attention. Uh, so the Twins, to me, the list after that was very iffy. Uh, the, the top four was easy uh, after that. Uh, they really have. I've I've written the whole 30, and you really have five through 17 or 18 are guys who are all very similar. Number 18 can end up being better than number five, Danny Valencia. So I think number 18 is Renee And That guy can really hit. He just can't stay healthy, and the the profile is a question. If it all comes together for Rene Tassoni, he could be Rusty Greer. But uh, well, after man that, knows Peter Gammons. Absolutely, that was a that was a definite attempt, at Peter Gammons. Uh, but the rest of the five to ten. Was really a mix of upside and uh, trying mean, to mix in the, the guy uh, I really like close to the majors.
1: The guy I really like, and I, you know, I'll I'll tell everyone I've got an FSL bias because I do the FSL list yeah. every year, so that you know I would know those guys better. But Gutierrez, you know, I know he's a first round reliever, but of those first round relievers, I mean, he's got a, You know, he's got some pretty elite stuff.
0: He does. He's got a chance They're going to start him next year. Yeah. Trying to deepen the repertoire. Uh, With Pat Nishak's injury again, uh, there's a big league opportunity in Minnesota in the bullpen. Uh, It wouldn't shock me if a couple of their right-handed relievers uh, got a shot, like an Anthony Slamma, like a Rob Delaney, uh, some of those kind of guys. If Anthony Swarzak can work out of the bullpen, it wouldn't shock me if Swarzak made their big league staff as a reliever. I think Philip Umber will make their big league staff as a reliever next year. Which actually uh, is not a bad... He's he's out of options. And and it's not a bad fit for him in some ways. I mean, that... It's not. I think he'll be able to throw a little bit harder, air it out a little bit, and just really attack hitters with that breaking ball. Uh, but to me, Gutierrez, uh I think he'll be, he will be – if he's as good as the Twins think he is, he'll be in the big league late next year uh, as a setup guy. And
1: the stuff-wise, I mean, at least you know from what I was getting from Florida State League you know, scouts and managers was – I mean, stuff-wise, of all those guys we just talked about, he's got the best stuff.
0: Absolutely. No, he does. And, it, and the, to me, the most controversial guy in here was Angel Morales at 10, He's got all kinds of power potential. He's very hit or miss. I didn't even rank him in the 30 last year because the tools were there, but the playability was not. The playability still really isn't there that much, but you just don't see guys slug 623 in the Appy League too much, and he does have other tools. He was age-appropriate for the Appy League. Absolutely, but how do you compare him with a Joe Benson who, according to the Twins, has better tools, has played at a higher level, but really struggled in his second year and has a bad back. What about Chris Parmalee, who has big-time power like Morales, but not nearly as well-rounded, has played at a higher level, also had a, a wrist injury this year. So his power next year, wrist injury plus Florida State League, will probably equal depressed power numbers. Or Tyler Robertson, who was you know topping out at 83 in his last start, had tendonitis. They don't even know what the injury is, but he does have a stiff arm action. What do you do with these guys? So they, it's a really convoluted and difficult organization there's just no separation and that's in the that thing. system.
1: We we see all we see all kinds when we do these things. Yeah. And the twins, the twins have all
0: kinds of depth. The twins have depth. So you know, the twins
1: basically, and I'm doing the Reds list. and It's the same thing with the Reds, like where hey, you, Luke Hughes. Look right. at the
0: year he had in Double A and, and some Triple A. The guy can really hit, but he doesn't have a position. So who the, knows where you he The guy The guy.
1: fascinating ones to me, like I mean, there are there are there are organizations who have elite talent. But then you get to like, you know, I mean, like the Royals, the Royals are, you know, Hosmer Mustakis are two yeah. guys who are elite talents. But, you know, when you're ranking the number 30 guy, you're like, eh, you know, I don't know. You know, this guy, a lot has got to come together. Yeah. And then there's others, you know, like I'm doing the red system and I'm writing that one now. And with the Reds. I could write fifty guys up yeah. and feel like that the number fifty guy has a chance to be a big leaguer
0: i've already written up thirty three guys for the for the twins just assuming they're going to lose two or three guys in the rule five. They get two or three guys rule five every year uh, right now. another personal cheese ball Jason Pridey out of the thirty it's a real, it's a real shame. <laughs> I love Jason Pridey. I think the guy can play he needs a, he needs a shot, but uh he also can strike out with the best of them so but it, it's there are some organizations were like uh, and I'm working start work on the Phillies. I've already done the Yankees. Uh, you yeah, know, the Yankees, I thought, also had a similar issue to the Twins. There's not a lot of difference between after you get to number six in the Yankee system, but really seven so, afterward was th- very up the in the air. The funny
1: thing about this is is that when people see this, you know, and I know people see it and go, well, why do you not like this guy? Why do you not like this guy? and it really comes down to you have to rank someone fifteen, you have to rank someone thirty, right? And you have to leave some guys out, like you know. And that doesn't necessarily. It's funny because there are guys who I like better, but it's like you know we're also trying to relay a consensus of opinion, exactly. To where it's like if I love a guy, but I can't talk to any find anyone else who you know who thinks the same way, you know. Well, my opinion, you know, I mean, works in there a little bit, but, but I'm going to depend on you know. I mean, right. what we're trying to give you is you know, we talk to scouts and all for a reason. I mean, you know, we're not going to go on. You know, there's got to be some other stuff there. Right. But right. that plays a big part in why we're ranking guys. Yeah,
0: we're trying. That is really we're trying to reflect the consensus in the industry, and that includes in the organization's view and outside the organization's view. You know, like. And the, that is the key
1: because you got to get because the inside. If you if we just did inside. You get some warped lists because, for one thing, absolutely, you know, depending on the organization, some organizations are right. You know, you understand that they're going to talk up guys because they're trying to trade. They're them. They're trying to trade. them. Absolutely, and that's where you have to get the outside of the organization because you're going to get some from inside. Also, you'll get some insights that you wouldn't get otherwise because they know guys.
0: Well, just for example, I'm going to give away a little piece of the A's top thirty. We just found out. Well, I won't tell you which player, but we just found out one of the players had sleep apnea this year. You know, finding out that he fought through sleep apnea actually kind of boosted his stock. Oh, his system. to give you one more example
1: of that before we wrap this up, Keila Kahui. One of the questions I was asking inside the organization was, "Okay, so why was it that this year, yeah. you know, it came together, and there was an explanation? You know, he had a bad knee; he lost a little weight; the knee got better. Yeah, and all of a sudden he could. You Have know, he a had base a base. Swing. Yeah, Absolutely. he had a base to a swing. That's something that." You can't get from outside the organization because, understandably, a scout, even if he sees them, sits on them for six to eight games. Right. Even if he knows them and talks to them a little bit, he may not mention that. And all of a sudden, so you're like going, yeah, the swing looks a little better this year. But, you know, I mean.
0: I don't know why, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So much more of those kind of tidbits at BaseballAmerica.com and our chats. I'll be chatting twins tomorrow, which I guess is probably today when, you're today when you download this. Today when you download this. JJ just chatted. T- uh, Royals will have the Arizona and Hawaii winner list coming up next week at Baseball America. And as JJ said earlier, Rule 5 Draft Preview, part, uh, uh, part 1 at BaseballAmerica.com. So, so much more to come e if on the website. E if you the Mandarin listeners in our... Uh, part Anna in Greek. So, uh, for J.J. Cooper in the Mandarin language and for Greek language, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week at BaseballAmerica.com. So long, everybody.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.